Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of Destination Linux. I'm Rocco, and with me today is Ryan, also known as Das Geek. It's good to be here. What's going on, man? Oh, we're having a blast. I'm so excited to finally be on this podcast again. I can't believe you invited me back. Something's wrong. We invited you back, even <laughs> after having you the first time. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever been invited back to something. Thank you. For that. All right. So for the people that don't know, uh, well, most of you know that Rob is taking a hiatus from Destination Linux and we need to have another host here because you don't want to listen to me just talk. So... Uh, we asked Ryan to guest host this week, and who knows what will happen for the following weeks. Maybe you will stay. Maybe we'll ask you back a third time. <laughs> Just wait till you see the community comments before you make that decision. <laughs> right. Um, so who are you, Ryan? Who are you? You have a YouTube channel. What's going on? So, yeah, I've got a uh, YouTube channel out there that uh, I do a lot of technology-related geek, anything geek-related, really, uh, content out there. And that has spawned uh, in its early stages into a lot of Linux-based geek material in there, thanks to the Linux community. Um, I'd say a lot of folks from Linux knew me from the 30 Days of Linux Challenge. It was just something... Uh, that I randomly decided to do on my channel was try Linux for 30 days on one of the most powerful PCs I could afford and see if I could do everything that I was doing in Windows from game development, web design, whatever it was in Linux world. And of course, most of you who use Linux know the answer. Of course I could, but I also fell in love and never went back to Windows. So that's kind of what stuck. So a lot of my channel is, you know, you can get tech reviews, different uh, technology out there that you can see, but also do some operating system and uh, reviews on different Linux distributions and things that I'm doing within Linux as well. So it's a lot of fun. I watched a video of yours the other day, and it you were listening to Justin Bieber at the time or something like <laughs> no, that. That was a virus. That was absolutely a virus. <laughs> uh, Rock was talking about a Bluetooth headphone review that I did, and there was a little joke in there where I was trying to listen to Destination Linux podcast, but Justin Bieber popped up. So for some reason. I don't know how that unknown happened. reason. I don't know why that happened. but must have been my kids, the two-year-old. Blame it on the kids when in doubt. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so out of the way uh, of that, we have some news, dude. And I do, before we start the news, I do have to make one amendment from last week. Um, we talked about, me and Rob talked about the budgie menu and, well, the budgie desktop in general and how the budgie menu sorted items and whatnot and how we talked about how it wasn't for me and we didn't really care for it. But since that time, or maybe it was even done before this, but uh, and I didn't know it, but there was there have been updates to Budgie, including on the menu, to make it more, uh, shall we say, brisk-like. And it supposedly works way better than it did before. It doesn't sort the items like it did before. So that's a plus. And there's also been all kinds of updates to Budgie itself. 10.4 is out. So if you want to go check it out, but I just wanted to make an amendment to say that even though I was pretty hard on the budgie menu last week, it <laughs> has been upgraded. So there may be uh, 
that may be in my future. (laughs) Well, I can tell you that it's interesting. Uh, Budgie, their at least uh, YouTube channel uh, has responded to several of my videos from Budgie. I'm a huge fan of it. I use it on a MacBook Pro and uh, I actually absolutely love it. But they're they're very engaged with the community, which I think is interesting. So Mm. maybe they put a fix in as soon as they listen to Destination Linux. Well, Budgie gets the uh, remnants from, uh, or not the remnants, but they get the effects from whenever uh, Ike and Solus makes any updates. So Ike makes the updates in Budgie itself in Solus and then it goes up to and Budgie Budgie gets the effects of it. So I'm going to have to test it out. Uh, yeah. I, I have said before that Budgie is something that I would run as my daily driver if the menu was fixed. So maybe, who knows, maybe the menu's fixed and maybe I'll run it. <laughs> now the challenge is back in your corner. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. Well, on the heels of that, there's another new release, and I was, like, super excited to see this. So our good friend Jody James, and hopefully he will make time to come on the show next week or in the following weeks to talk to us about it. But Revenge OS, so it was originally called Obi Revenge, and you had Obi Revenge, Mate Revenge, and K Revenge, and their desktop environments obviously were OpenBox, Mate, and KDE. But now they are all merged into one to make Revenge OS. So now you have not only a choice of installing OpenBox, Mate, or KDE, but you also have the ability to install GNOME, XFCE and i3 window manager in the install process. So have you played with this operating system at all? I I had installed it before, but I just installed it on a test drive the other day and took a look at it. I installed I don't know why I installed the <laughs> XFCE part of that I, I, did the <laughs> I did the same thing. It I just no, seemed the default. I have no idea why I did that, but I did. I installed the XFCE part of it and it just it was like running like a flash, man. I yeah. don't Jody does such a great job with not only, you know, the actual look of things, but he adds so many tools into it, so many uh, helpful things that, man, for a a newer person coming to Arch, uh, that would be a distribution to try. So, absolutely. I felt it was absolutely gorgeous the second you log in. It almost has this gamer-like style to it, right? You've got these logos with the little target. Everything was really red. And it was just, it was very beautiful, let's say, but I installed the XFCE version as well as extremely snappy. And, um, you know, I felt right at home with it. Obviously, you know, I'm a big Manjaro fan. Uh, so to me, when Ooh. I went in there, I just, <laughs> <laughs> the winners use Manjaro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> But I felt at home with it. I just thought everything was well laid out. Um, it was very easy. Like you said, there were a lot of, uh, they had like a pay, PA Mac software installer, which was a little different GUI than what I see inside of Manjaro standard uh, software installer. Um, I can't think yeah, of the name. But I like I like PayMac better than, you know, Manjaro uses Octopi. I don't know yeah. if that's how you say it, Octopi, but um, that's how I say it. Uh, so, but Manjaro use Octopi, and I usually, if I'm going to run in Manjaro, I will uninstall that and really? install PayMac because PayMac just seems to be easier to me. Um, yeah, but that may be coming from running Intergos for so long. So, 
Yep, I noticed the Chromium default browser they had in there and the Revenge OS control panel, which they had as well, and uh, a Revenge installer for software in mm-hmm. there for different programs. So I thought it was just brilliantly done. What a beautiful operating system. Well, they have a new online installer called Nemesis, and that worked flawlessly. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to install it the first time without any issues whatsoever. Um, then you have um, the tools where you have like the welcome screen. You have an NVIDIA driver tool. You have a VirtualBox driver tool, a kernel tool, a Grub configuration tool, all kinds of different things that he adds that just make it so much easier to do things that you would normally have to do in a manual way. You also yep. have new artwork from my man, Carl Schneider, one of the most talented guys in the Linux community, and a new custom logo that you were referring to with the... Um, crosshairs by carl and thomas schneider so a lot of good things coming from revenge os and like i said maybe uh jody will come on and talk further about it and we'll dive deeper into it but if you want an arch distribution and you may not be as familiar with arch uh revenge os is definitely on top of the list on to try agree all right so going along we have magia Six. Have you ever tried Magia Six or Magia? <laughs> I just tried, um, but it didn't get too far. I, I tried to do a live USB, which generally, if I'm going to really dig into a Linux distribution, I don't do that. But for time's sake, this week I put it on a live USB and tried to run it there. It it did not get very far at all. I got through you know, selecting your language and all of that. And then it just went to a black screen with a cursor blinking at the top. And I was reading through some of the forums and it seems like there may be some issues or bugs that they're working out between five and six. Um, a lot of people having issues upgrading from five to six, but also others experiencing install issues similar to what I had. So I'm sure they're on top of it and we'll get a fix in for it. But uh, that kept me from being able to play with this one too much and get a feel for it. Well, it is an RPM-based fork of Mandriva, which started back in 2010. And just as a side note, I was looking on their website, and there is no official pronunciation for Magia. You can use whichever one you like, it says. <laughs> so. That's what I like. That actually works the best for people like me. Uh, yeah, how, can, <laughs> how awesome is that for something in the Linux community? Just pronounce it whatever way you want. I mean, that's the funny thing is like they could name a distribution it, IT, and someone would be like, it's it Yes, exactly. Well, I'm glad they didn't use an official term so we can call it whatever we want. <clears throat> well, the term Magia is a is for a Greek word and it means magic in English. So there you go. That's the backstory of Magia. Now, I did try Magia a while back and um it had it was all it was one of those ones almost like Manjaro for me where it had a lot of nice features to it but there was always something that went wrong so that's why i never stuck with it but in the new release they have uh they are putting in KDE Plasma 5 to replace KDE 4 which they were using as their you know default desktop environment um they have a new package manager um, they have support for AppStream, so GNOME software and Plasma Discover. More tools. Uh, a Grub Grub 2 is the default bootloader, so they, they've updated it. 
and you can use uh, the Plasma 5 or you can do GNOME uh, or XFCE. So it's your choice of which one you want to choose and try out. But anyway, there's the story on Magia. So we talked about a couple different distros. Let me ask you, what is something that makes you want to try a new distro as a, not just try it, but use it as a daily driver? What are the things that you look for in a distribution when you're logging into it? Because it didn't sound like you were, you've tried it before, but maybe didn't really fit your needs. What were some of those things that? Well, I mean, I did try it before and it did. It was actually, like I said, it had some things about it that were nice, uh, but there was always something that kept me from using it. So, but as far as what do I want to see in a distribution for me to try it, I want it to be, uh, number one, I want it to be modern looking for me to try it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's kind of why I shy away from the XFCE desktop. Yeah. Although you can make it a little bit better on a whole, you're, you're never going to make XFCE modern looking until you bring it up to speed in the back end of it. Right. But, uh, you definitely have to look for stability. I mean, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If it doesn't run right, it doesn't matter. So right. in trying all of these, um, you have to one, number one, does it fit your taste? Can you make it fit your taste? Two, does it fit your specific needs of software and stability? Like, okay, for example, uh, there was a time where Ubuntu Mate, uh, had some problems with Caden Live. And mm -hmm. as much as I loved Ubuntu Mate and as good as it was, if I couldn't run Caden Live without it crashing, I couldn't run Ubuntu Mate. Absolutely. Yep. So in That's that very testing, similar to, to how I look at it. There there are certain programs I'm completely dependent upon. And if they can't if they if the implementation of those programs isn't done well, I'm not gonna spend a ton of time trying to fix it. I'm just gonna go to a distro I know it works with perfectly out of the box. I know a lot of folks say, well, you can go in there and you could fix that or you could do this or you could download that. I, I, sometimes I don't want to. Sometimes right? I just want, I just want to, I just want to use my software and go. I don't want to troubleshoot at this moment. I need to make a video, you know, or do something else. So um, that's an interesting point you make there. That's very similar to uh, how I look at these distros out there. So what interests you from a brand new distro, though? If something comes out on the market, what are some of the words or things that you look for specifically that go, you go, okay, I've got to try this. Is it a certain desktop environment support or? No, I don't think it's a certain desktop environment. It, it's more or less, what does it offer? Uh, so, for example, like with Revenge OS, um, it offers all these different tools that, some other distributions don't even offer, don't even have. So that would make me want to try it. But as far as running it, um, it's, you know, we'll go back to Ubuntu Budgie where that was something that I installed just trying it because it was something new and different uh, because you had the Raven side panel and you, you had all okay. these different things about it. But once I installed it, everything was so like <laughs> all the defaults were just exactly where I would want them. That yeah. that's what would make me want to run that as a daily driver. Gotcha. So I think that's interesting and kind of, you know, sinks into one of the other stories we have on here for Pop! OS. And the reason why I think it sinks in there is I, I get a lot of times when I move to different distributions, people will comment, it doesn't work for me. And yet when I installed it on my hardware, it worked perfectly. The, the exact same thing could be said about um, 
you know, vice versa of that, where, you know, individuals are using it and I can't get it to run, et cetera. So one of the things that I think is interesting about Pop! OS is now you have a hardware manufacturer, System76, who's out there actually creating this operating system, this Linux distribution. So they know that everybody who has that piece of hardware is going to have the same experience that anyone else does. Now, of course, if you don't have that hardware, then you may not uh, have that experience, but certainly you could go onto the specs of System76 and see what they're running so that you could create something kind of similar. Very interesting because you're seeing a lot of folks like Microsoft start taking back control of, I know you're never supposed to use that word on- Microsoft? <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this should be like one of those things where buzzers go off and alarms. Flashing lights. Uh, but, you know, they had to take back control of their hardware because so many people were just creating cheap hardware that it, you know, really made them look bad. And so I, I think it's interesting that System76 is out here and that they're actively updating Pop! OS. And I know you've done videos on that and played with it before. And it's definitely one that I want to get in there and play with, too. And they've got some updates. They're constantly updating their software. Well, not to beat a dead horse, but the, the there's two different trains of thought there they're they're not actually creating a distro they're just putting a wallpaper respin out there uh which i don't prescribe to uh i think that what they're doing is a good thing and they're doing something to brand their company and market their stuff and that to me is a great thing whether you consider it a distro or not that's up to you but their updates do continue. So they are working on CalDev and CardDev to make sure that work continues to update it so that it works right. Uh, and they're also, okay, so last week they put out Energy Plus. They're considering writing a new installer for GNOME. Um, so this, this starts becoming a little more than a wallpaper, right? It's a little bit more than a wallpaper, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week they came out on Energy Plus and said that they were working with the elementary team and talking about their, you know, their goals and elementary's goals, and they feel that they align. So the people from elementary are going to head over to System76 headquarters in the last week of August to work on a new and improved installer. So a little collaboration there. I think that's a really interesting collaboration because when I think of beauty in a distribution, elementary OS... Yep. is definitely one of the top players out there, right? I mean, they just, everything they design is absolutely stunningly gorgeous looking. It's it's very modern. It's very sleek. Um, so I think that them partnering with Elementary OS is going to, could bring some very interesting things to Pop! OS. I'm excited about it. Well, I'm wondering why they didn't partner with them earlier um, to just do the whole elementary thing on the pot on system 76 but i guess maybe they wanted to stick with uh you know plain uh, vanilla ubuntu so yeah being more popular i guess but because elementary is not for everybody although it is one of the most beautiful operating systems out there it isn't for everybody because of how locked down it is but yeah it's not something i use as a daily driver either but you can't take away its beauty no yeah. no absolutely not yeah. So they also have uh, automated firmware updates coming to the laptops that they have, which is, you know, something that is needed because you you want to make sure that you are on the latest uh, drivers or whatever it may be for your hardware. Otherwise, you run in, end up running into problems. 
Absolutely. Big issue when it comes to gaming or anything else. Have you ever had a System76 laptop or played with one? I have not had one. Um, I know they're based in Colorado, um, but no, I've never uh, actually ordered one. They're one of the few U.S. makers that put on in Linux. So I got my hands on one, and I I was very impressed with the build quality. I think they uh, did a fantastic job on the whole implementation of the system from beginning to end. It really felt like you had a complete package package device out there. Everything ran on it flawlessly, and it just it was very fast. It had uh, the particular one I had. I picked up on eBay, but it had multiple hard drives in it instead of a CD-ROM, which is what I prefer. The extra weight being for the hard drive space. I just thought ultimately they did a fantastic job on their build. So I'm very excited to see where this one goes. Well, if you want to contribute to Pop OS um, and you want to, you're a coder and you want to help them out, we'll, we'll post a link in the show notes for the GitHub tracker. And they've also created some documentation to walk you through on how to contribute. So we'll post that there. You can check it out and maybe you can help them out. There you go. Make it the OS you want. That's right. All right. So we have another release. It's actually a point release, which is uh, deep in 15.4.1. So 15.4 launched three months ago, and this is the first release point to the stable version. And the features, they're not huge, uh, but deep in's already a, a decent uh, operating system. Has some issues with translations and whatnot, but for the most part, it looks pretty good, but they have improved the, they have a mini mode for the launcher. Um, they have optimizations to the 2D mode of the window manager, and they have a preview effect now at the bottom to show you the windows, kind of like the, kind of like where GNOME has a tweak, uh, an extension to allow you to see the preview on your uh, task manager <laughs> and other various updates, animation effects on the start menu and all that applications and stuff like that. So. It's definitely uh, getting better and better. And it's those little changes here and there that constantly build and build and build to make it better. So have you that's what I was going to say. Even though these seem small, they actually really could make this feel more of a complete package. Those things like window previewer, I use that all the time. I think that's just such a useful thing, especially when you have a bunch of things open, when you're doing video editing and that type of stuff. So uh, I love little changes like that and they can make all the difference in your workflow. Well, it it just adds polish too. If you want something that looks nice and runs well, you know, you want to have these little little things that people consider little, but like like I said, window preview, it's a, it adds polish to it. So, absolutely. All right. Well, we can't go a week without talking about KDE because they are updating on a massive scale, like they always do. Um, this one here is not as big as, as every other update, but this is a point release, so it's up to 5.10.4. So uh, it is the one before the last um, point release. So you're going to have um, better support for Mesa 17. And this will be, this. like I said, there's one more release schedule before August until it changes over to 5.11. So you're going to have 0.5 come out. And then it will switch over in August to 5.11. So, now, are you a, a fan of Plasma? I am a big fan of Plasma, actually. Good. <laughs> All right. Plasma is absolutely beautiful. So I, I agree. I'm a huge fan of it as well. It's my daily driver. 
So I'm, I'm very excited to see the constant changes here and updates with Plasma. It's my favorite desktop environment by far. Well, I've been running GNOME for the last month or two, um, but you know, I started with KDE and my heart will always be with KDE. And I think uh, I have already said that when it hits 5.10.5 and that last release point comes out, because that's when it becomes usually when it becomes like rock solid as far as being stable, um, I will end up probably putting it back on my machine. So, And you'll get a bunch more work done. I may get a bunch more work done. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm a big Plasma fan. The only problem I have with Plasma is, well, not the only problem. There's just little things I hate about KDE that drive me up a wall. And we've yeah. talked about them before, but just some of the things are like the GTK apps not looking right. You can pick a great, awesome theme for the QT apps and, and and the desktop itself. And then you go and you have, there's no way to find a good GTK app to match theme, to match that. <laughs> there's just, it just isn't. You just, you'll spend the whole day trying to theme your desktop when you could have been working. So. I mean, I couldn't imagine your closet with something as little as colors. <laughs> Is every pants in your closet match another shirt? They got to be exactly coordinated. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. <laughs> moving along here. <laughs> all of the suits are all black. <laughs> I like to be organized. Yeah. We'll say that. I like things to match. You know, I've never even noticed, so now I'm going to have to go see if it's... See, if now it's, I'm, it's going to be in the back of your mind. The next time yeah. you open something like Thunderbird and your theme doesn't exactly match <laughs> your, your, your regular like, desktop theme, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> you can't unsee it now, dude. You can't unsee it. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, so we have a minor update with uh, Gnome. Uh, they have, you know, Gnome likes to... Uh, rename their stuff, you know, not rename it in the coding area of it, but just name, rename the actual name of it. So, you know, they, they did gnome, gnome photos and now it's just photos. Now it's just music. Okay. So they're taking the tweak tool and it's just going to be simply known as gnome tweaks or tweaks. You know, <clears throat> this doesn't seem like a big deal, but think about all the forums out there today and all the support people have given, like, go get GNOME tweaks, go get this. And think about a new user going in there searching for GNOME tweak, <laughs> but the only thing they can find is tweaks. See, I'm thinking about people like me here. <laughs> like, there are so many times when I've gone into a forum and had that experience where they're like, I'm like, I'm looking at it because especially when I first started in Linux and like, something like tweaks of like, well, it says tweaks, but it don't say gnome tweaks. So right. I'm not going to install it. Uh, I, you know, what, what's the purpose in really changing the name here? Are they like Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince, the tweak tool formerly known as <laughs> gnome tweak. I, mean, I don't think it gives a reason why they changed it. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if they even know why they changed it. They just want to be different, I guess. I don't know. This is like corporate America where they're like, oh, we need to show some, so that we did something this month and change the name of the organization. There we go. <laughs> I'm not so excited about that change. Oh, well, well, it's just a small change. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. To you, for us noobs, it destroys us. <laughs> well, <laughs> keep, keeping with uh, GNOME and Ubuntu, um, you have, well, one, before we go any further, you have a security update that came out um, this past in the past few days here. What is this? Uh, the 20th. So two days ago, because we're recording this on Saturday. 
um, and it fixes uh, a few security vulnerabilities for uh, the Ubuntu 1404, 1610, and 1704 um, operating systems. So I'm not going to go into the details of each individual update for vulnerability security vulnerabilities so if you haven't updated update now some of these are a big deal when i was looking through the list you have denial of service attacks and things like that that could completely take down a system so it's definitely an important update and it's good that they've gone in there and patched these because these are not small vulnerabilities uh based on the list there well it's always good to have your your system up to date so don't ever be slack on that. You can Absolutely. be slack on, you know, notes. Themes. Go themes. themes. Colors. You know, <laughs> things you got to pick up at the store. You can be slack at. But updating your computer, don't be slack at. Okay? Yeah, just update. All right. So do you even care about Ubuntu GNOME? Because Ubuntu? they put out a survey. Oh, really? Did you see it? No, I haven't seen the survey itself. Well, it's a survey to ask you particularly you or 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 anybody else it doesn't really matter but they uh, have a survey out for 1804 lts and they're asking what the default applications for for the desktop should be in 1804 so they give you a a part of a text where you can copy and paste or you can go to the direct link and input your information although i think that is a google form so some of you may not want to do that um (laughs) but anyway yeah some of us google haters around here um but anyway they want to know things like web browser email client uh, office suite video player music player what do you prefer as the default and they're not asking for just one they're asking you to name them, and if you have multiple, you can put multiple choices there. Just put them in priority order. So if you want Chrome as the default, make Chrome your first choice, and then you can you know, use Firefox or Chromium or whatever you choose in, them, in those areas. So, all right, so let's go down the list, man. Because you, you ended up pulling your users, right, or your, uh, some folks on your, one of your live channels. Well, on Friday Night Live last night, we did uh, we talked to a couple of the guys that were on. There were six of us talking and the chat itself. Um, and we just went through the list of what we would choose for the defaults. So for web browser, you have four users wanted Chrome and two on Firefox. See, this shocks me here on the Chrome. <laughs> like, it, you know, you move from Windows, right, and all of its metadata grabbing and all this stuff. To go to Chrome, where the entire <laughs> business model is based on metadata, gra- why don't just boot into Windows at that point? I mean, what are you doing? What is this fascination? Actually, I think there was one guy on Windows there last night. But um, <laughs> that's why that's why Chrome was picked here because nobody in their right mind would think that Chrome would be a great choice for Linux. I mean, it's everything opposite that a Linux user is trying to implement. Everything you do is tracked. Everything is scored for keywords to sell to you. It's To me, it's bizarro land to see Chrome as number one there. But I am excited on number two, which was Firefox, right? That would be your default. Yeah. 
as the default. Firefox or Vivaldi, something like that. Um, but I think Firefox is definitely the one that most people, most normal people. Normal, he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, most I picked I picked Chrome because that's theory. what I use. Oh my Chrome. gosh, Rocco, are you kidding me? No, I did. I picked Chrome because, look. Look. Did you pick Windows 10, too, as your desktop? <laughs> no, I didn't, actually. But I was a Firefox user before, but uh -huh. Firefox became so slow and so outdated and so not up to date with extensions. And then they have no idea who they want to be or where they want to go or what they want to do. Not because they don't have any idea, but they keep changing all of this stuff. Um they're going to, you know, they used to have, well, they have the about config in Firefox where you can change all these user settings. And they're slowly but surely digging them out and taking all of these configuration settings out where they no longer work. Um, the, they're going, getting, going away from the legacy add-ons. They're going to the WebKit and that's going to kill tons and tons of add-ons. And that's coming in, I forget, November, something like that, uh, where it'll be Firefox 57. And it's just, to the point now where Chrome is twice as fast as Firefox going places and doing things. Um, so why not Chromium? Why well, not take the company out of it and use Chromium? I did. I actually started on Chromium and that's where I started with Fire. You know, like I went from Firefox and like, I got to find something else. I went to gotcha. Chromium and there were just certain websites that wouldn't work properly with Chromium. It worked well with Chrome, and it even worked well with other things based off of Chromium, like, say, Opera. But for mm -hmm. some reason, in my experience, Chromium had some issues with some of the sites that I went on that it just wouldn't display properly. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm already using Chromium. I'm just going to use Chrome. So, yeah. And that's what I did. But part of the draw to Chrome, Chromium, and I don't really have a preference. Like, if I was tomorrow had to use Chromium, I surely would. Right. But... Part of the draw is the sync option in Chromium where, you know, you can sign into your account and everything comes back. Your bookmarks, your add-ons, your well, add-ons, your extensions, everything, your sign-ins, your passwords, everything. So, right. I mean, Firefox has a lot of good, their sync works fantastically well. I've not had any issues with their sync. Now, I don't use any of their password stuff right? because, you know, I just don't. Well, that's a I little very secure. Yeah, that's uh, a little overboard. Browsers for that, but um, I've not had any issues using their sync options in there. So that's interesting, though. So Chrome for you, I would not have pegged you as a Chrome user. I now think a little less of you. Thank you. I okay. appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting choice. So email client was the next one, and you got Thunderbird as your the choice there. I think that's a pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty good choice there, right? Well, I mean, look, I use Thunderbird still. Uh, I Me was too. trying uh, Evolution, and it was okay. But I ended up going back to Thunderbird, and it is the go-to email client. You just got to admit that right now, there's just yeah. nothing that works as good and as flawless as Thunderbird. It yep. doesn't look good to me. I think it looks like it's from you know built with XFCE, you know, ten years ago, fifteen right. years ago, but it works well, and that's why I still use it. Yeah, looks wise, you feel like there should be an AOL icon at the top, uh, based on yeah, all pretty it much. Yeah. <laughs> but it it is the go to. It is absolutely flawless as far as working. Well, the other thing you got to look at here too is you can't just pick uh, off the wall suggestions here either. You know, like yeah. you're not going to. 
Is it like we went to the, we jumped down, well, not jumping down, but we were talking about the file manager. You know, to me, Dolphin is the best file manager on the planet. Agreed. But obviously, you're not going to install that on a GNOME system and make it default. So you yeah. got to kind of be subjective here and right. say, okay, real, or, or should I say realistic, I should say, <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, you're not going to just get anything. You can't just put a mismatch of every type of uh, program out there and expect it to them to do sure. it. But. Well, they have other things that weren't quite as important to the people that were that I was talking to, like the terminal. You know, mm-hmm. one guy says, "I said, which terminal would you prefer?" And he says, "The one I can type in." <laughs> so I mean, they're like nobody really cared about the terminal. I prefer Telex as my terminal, so that's okay. what I use. Uh, but you know, some of the guys you didn't do care just about type it. in it at uh, the end of the day. At right? the end of the day, I just type in it. So. <laughs> That's very true. I thought it was interesting, the screen recorder, because this is something me and you probably utilize a lot of. Uh, I know I do. Um, I use OBS, namely, although there are times when I've tried simple screen recorder, unfortunately, some of my needs, especially recording gaming and things, it's not uh, up to task with having webcams and everything up. At least I haven't been able to get it to function right. But I also have a love-hate relationship with OBS. It is a constant nemesis of mine. And um, in fact, just recently I was doing the remastered version of a video that I did for gaming on Linux and uh, OBS, uh, I at least did 10 different takes just trying to get OBS to work correctly in Windows to show people gaming on Linux and Windows is exactly the same. Oh, so you were running Windows, were you? (laughs) And he's yelling at me for using Chrome. Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us like our privacy. Uh Yeah. So it's OBS is, I understand why people put it there. And I think naturally this is one where I would say when you were talking about having two, why not just put them both in there? Because they're just, they're they're both have their purpose and um, you know, they're, they're as good as you're going to get out there, I guess, at this moment. Well, look, hands down to me, OBS is the best screen recording program out there. Mm-hmm. The reason that I would say that you wouldn't put it in there is because there is a big learning curve with OBS. Like when you first sure. open it up, it's like, wow, there's so many <laughs> options. So many, you don't even know what to do. It comes with a, uh, a flat uh, you know, basic generic uh, startup page where, or startup uh area and you have to add everything you want and if you don't know what you're doing you know you ain't working through it now simple screen recorder it does have some settings but it basically Mm -hmm. has the defaults already picked and you can just hit next through it and you can pretty much get to a point where you can record and not know a whole lot technical knowledge about it so that's why i would probably say simple screen recorder would be should be the default over obs although i think obs is way better now, defaults really matter at the end of the day because all of this can be changed in any of the OSs that I've used. So I've never looked at these programs and like, oh, great, it comes with Firefox or Chromium or OBS or it doesn't because it's so easy to just go install it. So right. at the end of the day, does it really matter what they choose here, do you think? I don't know. I think uh, I think it does for the overall perception of how you look at it when you install it. And you have to realize you're, you're not just going from you, you're talking everybody from new users to experienced users. So the sane... This is their first impression. Yes. Sane yeah. picks for the defaults are are a good startup 
when you, you get that first impression and it's bad, you know, you, you're probably going to go away from it. So I think it's important only in that aspect. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, video players. So what would be your default video player? VLC. I just love VLC. I loved VLC even before I converted to Windows. I just it just works with everything. It's it's very uh, cross functional. In fact, you can even do screen recording and things in VLC. It's got tons of add-ons and capabilities. It's very powerful. It plays every type of file format. VLC is definitely one of my favorites. Well, I would agree. I I used VLC for the longest time uh, for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it was the go-to thing to use. Yeah. In the past year or two, I have noticed that um, there have been issues with it for me as far as just crashing or not working properly. Now, it doesn't happen to everybody, so it's kind of subjective to whoever's using it. But I have actually taken a liking to SM Player, and that is my go-to video player that I install for any operating system that I'm going now, do you mess around with any file formats that aren't, you know, kind of standard MP4 FLV files or, or you just do you usually just stick with the standard? I usually video? stick with the standard, but there are times where, you know, you'll have an MKV file that you need to play or whatever. And so, I mean, VLC plays them. It's not that I, it's not that it doesn't play them. I was just experiencing issues that I had never experienced before with VLC. And that kind of made me want to find one that actually worked better. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot out there. MPV is pretty good, um, but SM Player is where I ended up landing. So I have to check that one out. Very cool. All right, music player. What do you think? I have no preference here. I'm a title guy. I just go through the web browser. Don't laugh. Open Chrome because it only plays in Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) The truth finally comes out. But uh, I I use titles, so you know I don't play with the. I, there were back in the day I used to download have thousands of CDs and all this stuff. Today I don't have time for any of that organizing music files and setting up. But I just literally go on title or one of these paid for music services and search for what I want, play the song, and move on type of situation. So I really have no uh, stake in this game at all. What about you? Well. I don't use them as much as I used to because, as you said, I mean, everything, you know, you pay for a cloud service and you don't have to worry about buying the latest album or having it on your system or taking up room. So if I'm using a desktop player, because I still have my music collection, um, my personal choice is, and I got made fun of last night for this on Friday Night Uh Live, um, for uh, G Music Browser because it's one of the ones that could handle uh, a large library. And it's so customizable that you can, it's like the KDE of music players. You can make it look like anything you want. If you want it to look like Rhythmbox, you can make it look exactly like Rhythmbox. If you're used to iTunes, you can make it look like iTunes. And it has all kinds of different uh, theming options and whatnot. So with the fact that it could handle the large library quickly and it was so customizable, Gmusic Browser is like my favorite, although it hasn't received an update since 2015, I think. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But but I don't, like I said, that's if I am using a a desktop player, which I rarely do. And my music player of choice is Google. 
Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to read the comments on this. Oh, episode. I'll say. Um, <laughs> no, Google Music uh, is what I use to listen to uh, because it comes along with YouTube Red. So if you're paying for YouTube Red, uh, you also get access to the music collection. So why? And the good thing is with Google, since you're using it as your browser as well, they know everything about you and they could suggest perfect songs. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they, they suggest perfect songs for me. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> no, but I actually was on the hunt for a desktop player that would access Google Music. Google Music. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, very... I mean, there's not a lot of whole options out there, but yeah. there. But I did find one, and it is an Electron app, but uh, it is called a Google Music Desktop Player, and you basic you basically run it, and it opens up in a window. And I mean, you can do that with Ice if you want to, yeah. uh, but this is native, and it has all kinds of options, including making a dark theme, blah blah blah. So it has all kinds of different settings to it to allow you to customize it, uh, and it works great. So that's what I usually use as my player. Yep. I, I think Clementine were some of the ones you got in your suggestion yesterday. Clementine's the one I see the most often recommended out there. It seems to be a very popular choice uh, for it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that one. Well, we will put a link in the, the show notes to so you can actually go and check it out, take the survey if you want to, and give them your thoughts on what you would choose as the default. All right. So keeping with um, Canonical or Ubuntu, there is a, a fork of Unity 8 out there, and it's called Unit. Y-U-N-I-T. Y-Unit or Unit? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll correct you in the comments. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So it is now available as an overlay repository for Ubuntu 16.04 LTS. So if you're interested in, if you were one of those people that liked Unity 8, um, I for There's one... There's like two of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, here come the hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually never got to try Unity 8 because even though this is a Unity install that I'm on, um, whenever I would log into the Unity 8 session, it would just go to a black screen or log back out immediately. So I've never got to try it. Have you ever tried it? Mm -mm. No, I have not. Well, either way, um, if you were a fan of Unity 8, you can now install the fork of it so that you can continue running it. If that's what you want to do. <laughs> um, but it is not possible to do that on Kubuntu, Ubuntu Mate, uh, and one or two others because they run different libraries. You have to really want it. You have to really want it. And you have to be on the latest um, 5.9 Qt uh, LTS for it to work. So it, it has to be, and like I said, Ubuntu Mate and Kubuntu, they run older versions of those libraries. So you can't install it on there. Very interesting. Well, listen, I'm fascinated to know about this next section we're going to bring up here. Your thoughts on Remix OS the Android desktop OS being discontinued. So I think it's uh, very interesting that this market is kind of blowing up. There are a lot of alternatives out there that have been mentioned. And when I first saw this, that uh, Remix OS was going away or being discontinued, the first thing I did is start searching for what's out there to replace it. 
And uh, of course, you've got Samsung Dex was one of the top ones that I saw as an option. But you have to have a Samsung device to use this. There's Chrome OS by Google. What's wrong so with that? that? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> so if you have no interest in privacy, that would be a perfect option for you. Um, they actually do have a Chromium OS version, though, which I thought was really interesting. That would and be a much better option. Absolutely. Better. And Phoenix OS and Cub, Cub Linux were just some of the options that I found out here. So what are your thoughts on this? Is this something you're interested in? Remix OS, I mean, did they kill it because of popularity issues? You know, Chrome OS obviously is super popular, right? It took off where nobody really thought it would. But I think a lot of that is the low cost hardware. Right. And uh, very simple, really virus free style environment that you can set up um, because it's very locked down. But not something that's ever really made me interested in it at all so well it's always interesting to see something new come out okay it's it's it gets your attention and say oh well that's pretty cool as a concept thought but the question is can they make it into something that is usable and something somebody would want to use so Mm. actually rob had a remix mini uh, that he had done and he had used and he would probably be the better guy to talk to because i've never actually used uh, remix OS or had any kind of remix mini or anything like that. Um, so I don't know. I j- and you mentioned Cub Linux and I'm pretty sure Cub Linux um, stopped being developed. I think we covered that. In that a, one dead too. Oh no. I, <laughs> that one that died, I think a few weeks back um, that also. So, but it's not surprising to see this type of thing die because like i said it's for it's for a niche uh audience you know like no not everybody's going to want to run android on their desktop or something like that so it may work on your phone it may work on your tablet but you but do you really want to run it as your desktop and see i I see this more as a hardware manufacturing area for an os to be jumped in which is it seems like like with samsung decks for instance you got a samsung device you can run it on desktop right it kind of makes sense if um you know system 76 wanted to create a little netbook and and be low powered and they wanted to throw a little uh operating system on there like a chromium os that's where it kind of makes sense for your entry-level stuff but for uh, any power users or anything. It's just nothing that I've ever personally been that interested in. Now, I have used Chrome OS. I've had Chromebooks before. And I just find it so obscenely limiting in what you're able to do with it. That, But I do get that a lot of people are not like me. And all they're doing is web browsing and online um, content that they're absorbing. So it kind of makes sense, especially if you can get it for really cheap. Well, the... the um or the statement that they have put out says over the past year, we received an increasing number of inquiries from enterprises in various industries and began helping them build great tools for their organizations by leveraging Jide software and hardware. So we see huge potential in the role that Jide can play to revolutionize how they, these business operate. And given our existing resources, we decided to focus our company efforts solely on the enterprise. So is that code for that's where the money is? <laughs> you don't have to read too much into that to know what that means right yeah uh, they weren't seeing a lot of takers apparently i'm not the only one yeah well i'm not i'm not one myself so all right off to the next item here what do we have we have 
WeChat. Are you even interested in WeChat? Why are we even covering WeChat? It's just a news item. Okay, so oh. WeChat is now available as a snap for Ubuntu 16.04. So mm-hmm. it's a free messaging service, and I don't think I've ever used it. So I, I guess the initial release was back in 2011, uh, and they run on Windows, Mac, iOS, and Linux, but I have never used it, so I can't tell you how good it is or what it is or well, when I saw this in the news, the first thing I was kind of looking up is, you know, what are some of the advantages of Snap packages? I've seen it lately, a lot of software distributions using it. Obviously, one of the advantages is it's very easy for individuals to install it because all of the dependencies are packaged within that application. But I started coming across really interesting articles talking about that that creates a huge security gap. Because now when you go through, we were talking earlier about Ubuntu and needing to do some of those security patches. Some of those could be dependencies that your software, other programs are using, just as an example, they could be. And if you have a snap package, those dependencies are not going to get updated, right? Because they're housed within that snap package, as I understand. Okay, so I'm not the best guy to talk to. We should probably have like Martin Wimpress or... Alan Pope come on and talk about snap packages. But from what I understand, uh, the advantages to snaps are that it gives the developer uh, a way to get the latest releases that he puts out out to everybody, no matter what distribution they're running, and not have to worry about support for each individual type of desktop environment. Mm -hmm. And I believe it does also update, or there is a way to update uh, the snaps on your system. Interesting. The, the problem is uh, with this article, and Matthew Garrett uh, made a did a blog post on Snap and the way Canonical was putting out there that they're very or it brings it more secure, and in a sense they are more secure. Uh, snaps are depending. On, okay, the problem is not snaps. The problem is X11. So. X has a a way of uh, dealing with certain things, and that can be exploited by pretty much any type of software, even dev files or snap packages, but it can easily be exploited by a snap file. So the problem is really not the snap. It's actually X that's insecure. So, But again, that goes back to any kind of software that you install on your system, uh, whether it be a PPA or whether it be a dev file. And dev files can actually be worse than snaps in security. Um, but either way, no matter what software you put on, snap, dev, or PPA, uh, or even the Arch user repository, you have to be careful and know what you're putting on your system. You can't just nilly-willy put some software on your system without knowing what it is or what it does or who it's made by. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there will there are people that will not run a, any kind of outside PPAs just mm-hmm. for that purpose. Like I put certain PPAs on my system, but I know uh, that I only put on ones that have been trusted over the years for long periods of time. I'm not going to just go to a random website and say, oh, here's a cool PPA and I'll put it on my system. You know what I mean? Right. Like, So you get to know which ones are the more trusted ones out there. And if they're, you know, if they do find something on them, you can always remove them. But regardless, you're going to have a security issue with any type of outside software you put on your computer. 
Um, I just think snaps is a, is, it's a big hit. It's a big idea right now because that snaps is a security issue because of what it's able to do. Right. But I think it's being taken wrong right now. So, well, I think it's the right thing to do. I think these snap packages and installers are, they're super simple. It would be great to see a lot of things go that way. At the same time, I'm very happy that people like, matter out there challenging some of these things so that it could be looked into and see if there are indeed additional security holes or issues that they're not thinking about to get those updated. So, I mean, that's kind of what the Linux community always does. Somebody comes up with an idea and then a bunch of people come in and kind of help build it out. So I think it's good to challenge that security because what you don't want to do is you get more into this GUI interface and less of interacting with the terminal. The terminal requires you to know a lot more about how your system works as well as it can be faster. But if you start getting into this world where everything's just a GUI and clicking, then you start kind of start getting into that Windows world where people just get used to clicking everything they want, downloading viruses and blaming the operating systems junk because they got a virus. And so I think it's great that people are out there challenging it, looking into it. And I'm very excited about Snap Packages and what they could bring for it, but also uh definitely want them to take the time to look into any potential issues with packages not being updated, especially in an open source world where that's a big part of it is software goes out there. We all download it. We love it. Somebody finds a big security patch, patches it. You don't want to have to run a separate updater for your snap packages necessarily that you do for your main system. So, you know, there are a lot of things to consider there. Yeah. Well, he went on to say that, um, Canonical asserts that it's secure. Okay, so if you're using snap packages on Mir, uh, then there's a genuine improvement in security, he said. But nobody's using Mir anymore. So, (laughs) But if you're using X11, it's misleading. So any snap package you install is completely capable of copying all your private data to wherever it wants to with very little difficulty. That's what he says. And they the should problem, just call it Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is uh, the X11 window windowing system. So yeah. and the level of trust that it allows apps to have. So he made a little uh, snap package and he called it X Evil Teddy, <laughs> and <laughs> it basically was a keylogger and he was able to have it work perfectly through a snap package. So. But like I said, the problem is not snaps in general. It's the X problem. So Very interesting. Hopefully there's uh, improvements to it and ways to, you know, make it better, more better, as they say. So, so talking about bugs and potential security issues, let's get into gaming. Okay, let's do it. Because <laughs> this week I've been playing with something. Uh, it's it's an MMORPG. It's, they have a release on multiple platforms across the board albion online have you seen anything about albion online or read any articles about I it actually haven't and don't know what albion online is because i'm not into uh mmorpgs so you know go for it well listen i i started my pc gaming life on mmos so they're a big part of you know the gaming section that i just love uh ultima online is one of the ones that kind of I draw comparison to in Albion Online because it's that top-down, skill-based MMO. And I love the fact that they're releasing on multiple platforms and include Linux with that. So it's really one of the ones since I've gotten into Linux, one of the newer MMOs that have released on the Linux platform as well as the other platforms out there. So I was very excited to get in it. 
and I bought a Founders Pack. Um, but installing it has become quite an issue. If you've seen any of the news about uh, having <laughs> issues at launch, uh, now, MMOs traditionally have a lot of issues at launch. But this one might be taking the cake here. Is this, uh, are you having these issues on Linux install or Windows install? Linux install. Linux yeah. install. Yep. Now, a lot of folks are having issues across the board, whether you're in Windows, Linux, or even in Android, for that matter, are having issues getting the installer to work or update. And uh, the amount of issues are kind of run the gamut. I can tell you that the first time I ever experienced a virus-like symptom in Linux was trying to install Albion online. Um, when I was messing with its files, it has some type of executable that literally will open thousands of file manager windows immediately. Wow. And it's done it multiple times. Um, so if you do <laughs> run across that specific issue, <laughs> the only way to, stop <laughs> is to switch to a different desktop, a different virtual desktop, and then it will stop loading them. Unfortunately, my PC is very powerful, so it can keep opening thousands and thousands and thousands of windows. And so... Uh, I've had that issue. There's also some workarounds people have where you can go in and delete some files and get the launchers to work. I've had better luck in Ubuntu using Albion uh, than I have in Majaro. So Ubuntu, it seems to work much smoother, uh, but they have some issues with the other distributions out there. So I, I will give it that. But if you are a big MMO person, this is a pretty cool MMORPG with lots of dungeon crawling it's definitely community-based where you get together with your friends and, and go fight some big monsters and enemies and level up your skills. You can make your characters really anything you want uh, in this. You can even change it up midstream. Instead of being a sword fighter, you can become a magician or whatnot. So it, there's lots of great things out there that you can do with this game. It's about $29 to get your feet wet in it, and they have different packages, but $29 is your base package. But you may want to wait a couple weeks till things go down <laughs> because it just seems like it's full of issues. I'm looking at that $29 going, hmm, uh, I hope that they get these issues fixed because it's kind of hard to enjoy it. Anymore. Yeah, but I think that goes to a bigger problem where everybody's trying to come out with the newest and the latest game or the newest and the latest software, and they don't take the time to do proper testing. And yeah. there isn't a game out there that, okay, I won't say there's not a game out there. But most games out there, even up to launch and after launch, have issues and problems and bugs. And, I mean, major issues sometimes. I mean, servers going down, uh, networks not available. Yeah. I mean, unable to play type issues that you would have thought that with the proper testing that they, this, they would have got this right. But I, I think it's more to do to the fact that they're just rushing these games out without proper testing. Yeah, I love the idea that they came out and tried to have this multi-platform approach. It's very exciting, but you're right. If you don't do it right, then the excitement's dead, right? It's not so worth it. So uh, they've got some work to do. Hopefully they're able to get that fixed. MMOs traditionally have terrible launches. I mean, there's really not one I can name that launched well. So hopefully the, the key is if they get enough support and based on some of the videos I've seen from folks like Hex, out there these communities are completely overwhelmed in game with players so they certainly have a lot of people playing it and as they get that support hopefully they'll spend some money fixing it. all right so are you into rts's definitely now i haven't played them in a while but i'm a command and conquer guy you remember that <laughs> RTS? yeah yep. that i do all right so sudden strike four is going to see linux support at its launch which is 
absolutely awesome. I mean, yeah, we just talked about not rushing games out, but if you can get it right, you know, it's awesome to see it at launch because the last thing you want to do is be on Linux and say, well, I got to wait three or four weeks until I can actually get support for Linux rather than, you know, have a Windows version. Absolutely. So the publisher is Calypso Media and they media, I should say, and they have confirmed that uh, Sudden Strike 4 is still on track for launch day for Linux support. And this is a World War II themed video game that's set for release on August 11th. Oh, and it looked so cool. Did you watch the videos on this thing? I didn't watch the videos, no. It looked so awesome. Like It it reminded me of that Command & Conquer feel. Uh, obviously you're directing your troops as you you know go into the battlefield your top down view um it looked very exciting and fun game and it's definitely one that uh if they stick to their august 11th linux support i'll probably be picking up and doing a review on my channel because it looked very cool the voiceovers and everything there made you feel like you're a commander (laughs) commander das geek Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the price is forty nine ninety nine. But if you pre-order it before the release date, August eleventh, uh, they're giving you a little bit of a break. It'll be forty two forty nine. So if you're into it, I would suggest buying it beforehand. They didn't really stretch themselves on that break, though. Did yeah. They? Well, it's a that's a break. I mean, a couple dollars. <laughs> Here's a buck. Thanks for yes. Order. But in their defense, what game out there do you know that even gives you any break? It's true. Uh, before the release date. So, yeah, I mean, usually absolutely. they're jacking the price up before the release date. So that's very true. All right. So the requirements are a Radeon seventy eight fifty or a GTX six sixty. But they recommend a Radeon 470 or a GTX 1050 Ti. Now, I'm not exactly sure. You tell me. Um, I have a GTX 960. And I don't think the GTX 1050 is much higher than that. Yeah, you should be able to run it. No so. problem. Yeah. the uh, Obviously, with the 1080, I don't think I'm going to have too many issues there running this game. And I, I like that they actually... The, these requirements are not... They're not small requirement. If you look at the game, you can see it's pretty graphical. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is not some um, simple graphic game that they're releasing on multiple platforms. This is truly a. This a, is not a, clocky. Yeah, it's not <laughs> clocky. Yeah, from last time. This this is a, definitely a graphically intensive game. I mean, and uh, they definitely have the specs listed here that you're going to have to have a gaming like machine in order to run it, which is really cool. Starting to see kind of these more graphically intense AAA like titles coming to Linux on launch day. This is what I've been predicting, you know, that's going to start happening. And I think this may be uh, one of the first signs of that. And seeing how well this launch goes, it'll be interesting to see how much the community uh, Linux community supports this game out there. Cause that will definitely get other developers looking if they make tons of money off of these type of launches. Hey, I've always said the more games that come, it'll be a snowball effect. The more games that come the better the development will be the more money they will make the more the developers will see hey you know we can actually make money if we support a linux version of this so because the idea is that linux people will not pay for software and that may have been true before but i think that is not as prevalent as it used to be and like for me i will surely pay for a game to play on linux i mean i would love to 
pay for a game to run on Linux rather than Windows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No so. tucks, no bucks. Right. Kind of <laughs> and honestly, I've been sticking with that as much of a gamer as I am. And, you know, I'm a heavy gamer and I, I played many of my sessions solely on Windows before I switched to Linux. But I don't boot into Windows to game anymore. If they don't release it for Linux, I have nothing to do with it for the most part. Now, there may be some titles that I'm just going to have to break my back over and do it anyways. But for the most part, that's how I feel. They yep. should provide Linux support, and uh, hopefully with games companies do do this, if the Linux community surrounds it, if it's something you're interested in, believe me, the developers will make it if the money starts pouring. So. Yep. And you've got another game on here that just looks so cool, man. Abandoned Ship. I mean, we've got to play this together. I'm this telling you. <laughs> We're going to have a blast. Well, so, Abandoned Ship is something that I saw, and I'm like, wow, look at that. That is freaking awesome, man. Yeah. So what are they What are they offering? What is Abandoned Ship, man? Abandoned Ship is, is basically – there's a lot of games coming out like this, but it's that pirate-themed ship game where you're, you're, you've got a big – what do they call them? Old-school battleships? Is it it, like I, a, I guess it's a – well, they, they name it as an Age of Sail ship, so it's like the old-time ships. Yeah. And basically, you take command of the ship and crew. You're over there being like a Captain Jack Sparrow type, you know, and mm-hmm. you've got uh, anchors hooking into other ships and ripping them towards you. Cannonballs <laughs> exploding, people flying everywhere. I mean, this is excitement, right? Uh, I would love to see if you can have multiplayer support where somebody like Rocco could be the captain and I could be <laughs> just sweeping the floors, swabbing the deck. Camp. Yeah, swapping the decks. But I I saw so much potential when I was watching, and I was like, this is one of those games you could play with friends, and you'd be laughing so hard it would be uh, hard to uh, uh, do anything else but but laugh. Because, you know, if you start getting your friends caught, you got their ship plunging towards you, and you're exploding it, and they're leaking and screaming at you. (laughs) This is good times here. Well, right now it's only a single player game. So we'll have to wait on the uh, multiplayer part of it. But you, you basically take command of a ship and the crew and you explore whatever worlds they have for you. Um, you take on quests. You deal with random events like ships attacking you. There, there's going to be other ships out there that are going to start shooting their cannons at you, trying to blow you up. It, it just <laughs> looks all around. It looks awesome. <laughs> Is that one of those ones you got to move in your chair? when? You know, I have no idea, but it, it looks freaking <laughs> awesome. And um, so it focuses on that type of era, and it's it basically has like a uh, oil paintings type uh, graphics to it. Oh, the art was beautiful. Yeah. It just looked gorgeous. So there is no exact release date yet for this, but they assure everybody, the developers do, uh, Fireblade Software, that they will be uh, scheduling a Linux release for it. So, well, Fireblades, if you're listening, add multiplayer just so I can take on Rocco. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll even wear those old school captain hats and everything while we play. You know, we'll really get into it. All right. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the news. So we have a little admin to get to that we don't normally do. You know, I don't always remember to do. So I'm sorry. I don't always remember to do it. But um, 
I do want to thank the Patreon supporters that have supported us. Uh, and I did want to announce that I am going to try to, uh, that's the goal. The goal is to have the Patreon supporters get the podcast or vidcast one day sooner uh, than the actual release of it. So it usually releases on Monday morning. Hopefully we can get the Patreon supporters, the vidcast portion of it uh, on Sunday morning. So if you're interested, um, you can find us, uh, email us at comments at destinationlinux.org, or you can go to the website destinationlinux.org and get a hold of the RSS feed, uh, the link for the Patreon, the Telegram group. Uh, we have a, a great bunch of guys and girls in the Telegram group that um, there's all kinds of different conversations in that group, man, uh, from everyday stuff to Linux. So it's like a whole gamut of conversation and also the YouTube channel. So and I did want to say that I appreciate some of the uh, YouTube comments uh, that were on last week's episode, uh, wishing Rob well, because, uh, you know, he will be missed. I had, I had a great conversation with him, and hopefully he will uh, join us again at some point someday. So all of that is uh, appreciated. All right, so we have an email that I will apologize again for the long delay in getting to it. Um, David, you know who you are, uh, a.k.a. Rural Geek. Okay, so. I like him already. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Hey, I really like the way you uh, had your guest host, both entertaining and informative. I really liked your interview with Martin Wimpress, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to. Okay, okay. so he has an issue that he's asking uh, for help with, and I personally don't use Clementine. Uh, so we're going to ask everybody to help uh, David out. So has anyone else seen this? In Clementine, the Spotify plugin no longer works correctly. I used to be able to access saved, music's, saved music and playlists, but now I can't see my Spotify playlists. It will, however, play an old saved Clementine playlist from before things broke. So, well, first of all, David, we appreciate the email. We appreciate the uh, comments uh, anytime uh, we get an email from somebody. Uh, it is read immediately. I may not respond to it uh, immediately, but it is read immediately and is much appreciated. So, what do you think? Do you have a, have you uh, any well, problems I, with Clementine? When I saw this in the the notes, I went and downloaded Clementine, and then I tried to I installed the Spotify plugin, and then it said, "Hey, you need a premium account to do this." So I couldn't get very far <laughs> in the troubleshooting to help. Uh, David out here, but I, I did notice, you know, on GitHub, they have an area where they have all the bugs listed for Clementine. And there's a lot of people, and I don't know if it's the exact issue, but talking about having playlist options out there. So, you know, depending if the communities come across it and they have a fix for it, great. If not, I would definitely recommend jumping on there and putting a current comment that you're still experiencing that. Hopefully, developers will be able to see it and address it if it's something that's uh, having. Uh, global impact to their software out there because Spotify is super popular. So I would imagine you're not the only one having that issue if it's a a global problem. Yeah, that is one of the go-to paid services for people to use music. I mean, I I use Google, like I said, but uh, Spotify is definitely one of the top ones. So somebody has to have run into this issue. So if you have, uh, you can email us at comments at destinationlinux.org and maybe we can help David out here. All right, Doss. So we've come to the end of the show. So what are you working on, man? I have an awesome 
video that I'm really excited to share. You know, I did the remastered gaming version. That that was a fun video this week, but I have a new video I'm working on with the Synology NAS. Have you ever messed with uh, Synology no. network attached storage? Well, before when I, you know, when I'm everything I had was basically Windows based before I did the 30 days of Linux challenge and switched everything to Linux. And one of those things was uh, external network storage, which was a uh, Western digital MyBook live. And uh, the problem is, of course, the Linux community has figured out ways to get all the software and Western Digital stuff to work. So that's wonderful. The Synology has native Linux support. So I wanted to get one of these. I wanted to play with it. And it's amazing. I am so excited <laughs> about this thing. It is so much. You can do anything with this little box. And so all I'll right, have a wait. So tell me, what is what is NAS? What is it? What do you uh, use it for? Network attached storage. So this would be. A typical NAS, most what most people would use it for is setting up a RAID configuration. It's uh, you basically connect it to your router. It runs off of your network. You can have files that you move to it, backups, all of that type of stuff. Essentially, a network storage solution, right? So you can back up anything, all that. But this particular NAS allows you to do a lot more things with it. You can set up Plex servers, media servers, email servers, web servers, all with the click of a button all with native software and wow. this thing is awesome. So, so I can't wait to get that video. So basically you attach it to your router and then through your Linux system, desktop or whatever, there's a, there's software that you can install and yep. then customize it, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And it's, it's really idiot proof software. Which is great for people like <laughs> That's great for me, uh, dude. <laughs> Um, you know, a lot of these things, uh, a lot of different solutions, you can go in there and try to figure out the configuration, but you pretty much got to be a network admin to figure it out. This is GUIs, like click install, fill out what you want the email server to do and click next and finish. And now you have an email server. Like it's that simple and intuitive. And the software runs beautifully within Linux. You can schedule backups. You can set it up so that I have multiple computers in my home that it's syncing up your software. My documents file on my main machine will be the exact clone of the documents file on my MacBook Pro running Ubuntu Budgie, for instance. So it'll automatically sync those so that if I use any computer, I see the same thing no matter where I go. Wow. There's all kinds of options you can do with it, but this thing is just so cool. And what's funny is it's one of those things that I ordered and I thought it'll be a good video. And then I started playing with it and I'm like, this thing's cool. <laughs> so I've been working on that video and getting that out. So that that's the big one that I've got coming this week. Well, that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, that is absolutely. So what is the uh, what is the price tag on something like that? Well, the device itself is 130 bucks, but you have to have hard drives to put into it. So depending if you have extra hard drives lying around, then, you know, and how much storage you want, et cetera. Uh, will be depending on how much extra on top of that. Now, I have their lower end version. They have ones that go all the way up to enterprise level. I'd love to get my hands on one of those, but right. I've got one of the uh, more personal ones. It's about 130 bucks. Well, hey, if it's going to do something like that, it may be worth it, man. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Watch the video. Let me know. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll wait for the video. Awesome. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you uh, helping me out this week, and uh, I love the conversation. It was awesome. So Absolutely love it. Thank you for having me back. All right, so this will be the end of this episode, and everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Indeed. See you all next week. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. take a quick sound recording sound yeah to make sure that you sound as loud as i do or i sound as loud as you do okay so say something will you why are we doing this <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing it's seriously no you know exactly what you're doing yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs>